0: about something that I don't know about you. I don't really like to talk about it, especially if I'm in the middle of it, of feeling this way. Uh, But we're going to talk about how we can overcome the root of anger. Now notice I said root because I think it's okay to be angry at times. That's natural. I think that, um, you know, we all are going to get angry and some things should make us angry. I think that anger many times shows how much we care. It shows how much we love someone and that kind of thing. However, I think that, you know, even though God shows anger in, the, in Scripture and even though Jesus showed anger in the Scripture, um, we can probably categorize that as constructive anger. Would you agree with that? Uh, when God gets angry, it's to make something better. And when people get angry about something and they come up with a solution, I would say that's constructive anger. However, what we deal with, I would say most of the time, maybe you would agree with this, is, is destructive anger. Like on a daily basis, those types of things where anger comes out of us that it, um, it tears down our relationships or it makes us uh, not get to the place that we want to be on our path to success whether that's at school or maybe that's at work or or whatever that would look like. So um, I think that you would agree with me that those are the times uh, that we need to pull back, that we need to rein it in. Some of us are a little more calculated in our anger. And so you may be like this uh, couple that they're sitting out and they're talking And uh, I think we have a a picture of this cartoon as well. But it says, uh, the man says to his wife, whenever I get mad at you, you never seem to get upset. How do you manage to control your temper? And she says, well, I just go and clean the toilet. Well, he says, well, how does that help? And she says, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) If If you get that not so fresh, minty feeling sometimes... Then maybe your spouse has used your toothbrush to clean the toilet. So the question today is, what is your relationship with anger? What does that look like for you? And if I were to ask those close to you, what would they say? Is it um, the environment that you're in? Is it the people that you're around? Uh, What would you say? And don't you... Can't you, I, you know, agree with this as well? That many times we lose our anger with those that will forgive us rather than those that we're really mad with. Don't, don't we tend to do that so many times? We're mad at someone, but we go home and we take it out on the people that are close to us, don't we? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Do you find yourself uh, shouting out when you're angry or shutting down? So which one are you? And hopefully today's message again is going to help all of us deal with our anger in some constructive way. Now, again, we're going to go and and we're going to look in Proverbs just a moment. But I want us to jump to the New Testament real quickly. This is James, the brother of Jesus, writing this. And he's talked a whole chapter about mastering our mouth, which Pastor did an amazing job a couple of weeks ago talking about that. So you can go back and listen. And you can imagine James growing up in a home with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine... Jesus' parents and James' parents, they, they share the same parents. and Except for Jesus, of course, he was God's son, so he was perfect. And so always being compared to Jesus. James was all, why can't you be like your brother, Jesus, you know? You can imagine all of the anger that would even maybe come up with James, in James' heart. So look at what he says in James, the third chapter, and verses 13. As he's grown up, always getting compared to his Perfect older brother Jesus. He says this. If you're wise, would you circle wise? If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living a honorable life. Doing good works with, and I want you to circle the rest of this verse. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Wow. He talks about how amazing wisdom is. And you can know if you have it or not. And the way you can know if you have wisdom or not is that you can understand are you humble or not. Many times, and we've all been around people that are know-it-alls, right? We've all talked to our parents growing up, and they've said, well, don't pay any attention to them. They're just a know-it-all or something like that. And know-it-alls are no fun to be around, right? They're just no fun. They just suck all the air out of the room. So if you're a know-it-all, don't raise your hand. But just think, you know, maybe if you don't want to be a know-it-all, You could get more wisdom. And in doing so, we realize how much we really don't know at all. So, not only did James say, well, humility is the first step to wisdom, but also he goes down in James chapter 4 and verses 1, and he asks us a question about where we're headed today. And this is what he says. What, will you circle what? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, what is it? Do you know the answer to this question in your own life? And some of you are thinking it's not a what, it's a who, okay? It's not, it's not a what, it's, it's my spouse, it's my employer, it's my boss, it's, you know, my kids, it's all these people in my life, but James is saying no, it's really not a who, it's mostly a, it's a what. It's what is going on inside of us. Some of us say, I just need to work on my temper, but really what we need to do is we need to not look at the symptom of why we're getting angry, but we need to look at the disease inside, the root of what's causing us to get angry. It's kind of like taking, you know, a cough drop for lung cancer. That just doesn't work. If we get inside and we look at what it is that is making us angry, then maybe we can have a constructive attitude toward that. So let's look at these Three things that I think are three of the top reasons why most people maybe have a destructive type of anger come out in their life. So the first one, I want you to write this down. The first one is fear. Will you write that down, fear? Now, just on a lighter note, on the other side of this wall is our offices. And we have a lot of cubicles with a lot of walls. And so I'm not going to name any names, but Emma... Pastor's admin likes to stand behind all the walls and scare folks when they walk by. Well, little did she know that years ago, my admin, who's in this room, and I won't name any names, but Angie Benton, (laughs) used to uh, try to scare, so Emma just picked up the torch and just ran with it, you know? And so, uh, but she doesn't know that Angie one time put a, a cutout of Jeff Gordon in my office, like right when I opened the door, he was like staring right in my face, and I punched it. So I warned her that, you know, if you want to get punched, just keep trying to scare me. And so that's what she tries to do. But isn't that like a reaction to, to, to fear sometimes as we lash out, right? Even on the basic level. Well, I think the next kind of uh, the root of the next kind of something that would cause anger in our life is frustration. So we write that down. So not only fear, but also frustration. And that just kind of goes without saying right? We get frustrated, we get upset, and anger sometimes is um, the outcome. And then thirdly is hurt. Hurt. And we can understand this one as well, even again on a basic level. It's like when you have a pet and, and, you know, the pet gets hurt. Many times the pet will bite the owner because they're injured, because they're hurt. And so people tend to lash out even when they're hurt. So these are all circumstances. Sometimes we cause them ourselves. Sometimes they happen to us without, um, you know, out of our control. So what can we do to overcome the root? I mean, anger, again, is something that's going to happen. It's natural. But the Bible says to be angry and sin not. So how do we not do that? So I think, number one, to overcome the root Of fear in our life, let's do this. Number one, let's build my faith instead of feed my fear. Let's build my faith instead of feed my fear. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time when I'm angry, it's because I'm afraid. Like, just bottom line, I'm afraid I'm not gonna have enough. I've even like narrowed it down to that enough of a lot, of, enough of time, enough energy, enough resources, enough money, enough whatever. That just, for me, basically, if I'm irritable, it's because I'm afraid of not having enough of something, you know? And so maybe you can, you know, relate to that or whatever. And so, what is it that we can do that? so that we don't get angry. And, and I think one of the things that we can do is, is we pause and understand that when we try to make decisions based on fear, many times we make mistakes. Would you agree with that? When we try to make decisions when we're angry or have a lot of emotion, we make mistakes. Proverbs 14, 29 in the Good News translation even says these words. Look at what it says. Anger causes what? causes mistakes. So what do I have to do to change my thinking about fear in my life, causing me to lash out to others? What do I do? Because for me, I can take something that I'm afraid about or something I'm worried about, and, and when coupled with my imagination, it's crazy what I can come up with. And I don't know if you are you like that too. It's like if Danny's late, you know, coming home from work or whatever that is, And I'm like, where is he, you know? And by the time my imagination has run, he's in an ambulance headed to ICU. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And then that's the way it it works. But luckily for Life 360, I can look and go, oh, no, he's he's there. He's going 60 miles an hour in a 45, you know? So that (laughs) is kind of what I I have to deal with. But in those everyday things, I've come out and, and I have here Pastor had a God jar last week, and I'm going to have a worries box today. Is that okay? And so I come from a long line of kids ministers, and so you'll just have to excuse my object lessons. But this is my worries box, and I tend to feed it. Do you do that? Do you feed your worries and your fears? Do you let your imagination run? And I I tend to do that. We all have them. You know, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? But even as a follower of Jesus, I have to remember that I have God working in my life. And so I can take my worries and I can give them to him, right? I can give them to him. But so many times, just like Pastor said last week, we take them back, don't we? We just feed them. We just keep taking them back. And it, it doesn't work. Like the math here does not work, okay? I have made my worries Bigger than my God. And what is it that we have to do to change that? Well, we got to get a better perspective. I don't know about you, but if I change my perspective, now my God is bigger than my worries and my fears. Do you see that? And so that is what we have to do. Yes, we have to make sure that our perspective, that we are not making our worries and our fears bigger than our God. Now it all works out, right? Now I can give... God, all my worries, and I can give him all my fears, and I don't have to take it back because he's in the control. I have to speak to the lie that the enemy of your soul is telling you, and I have to replace it with the truth, okay? What is that truth? It's God's word. So let's look at just a couple of verses that I found for you. That maybe this will be helpful for you. Look at what Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says. It says, For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. I am not alone. Amen. My situation looks terrible. But my God is bigger. Amen. Amen. He has not left me alone. And then look at what 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, one of my favorites. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God is not setting you up to fail. He's not. He's not setting you up to fail. He's setting you up with power by His Spirit, with love that never fails, and a sound mind that doesn't need to fear. I have to replace my my lie, the, the, the lie of the enemy, and I have to replace it with truth. And I want you to take a step with me. Now, you're going to say, this is kind of weird, but just hang with me. One way for us to build our faith is to put our faith in action. Now, for those of you that serve or those of you that are that are helping others and, and walking with God but but helping others at the same time, I think probably that you would agree with me in this, and that what when you get on a team to serve and you get around people that can encourage you or in a group of people that can encourage you, those kinds of things are life-changing. So there's what I want you to do. I want you to build your faith by putting your faith in action by going to growth track. Now what do I do at growth track? Well, it's where I get on a team. Like, you can't serve in a team, on a team in this church without going to growth track. Okay? It's our rule. I don't know. Yeah, You know, that's just what we do. Because we want you... To know all about us and we want to know all about you and we want to make sure that we get your personality and not just where we need you or stick you somewhere. We're not going to do that. But we want to put you somewhere where you're passionate and where you can grow and where things in your life begin to measure, to line up and, and, and you find fulfillment. How many like to feel fulfilled at the end of a day? Right? How would you like to leave a Sunday or leave a day of the week and feel fulfilled doing what God has given you to do and what he's made you to do? And the way you do that is go to Growth Track, Build your faith by putting your faith in action. Look, when you sign up on this box or just check this box at the bottom, it doesn't mean that you're signed up. It just means we're going to send you information. Okay? So do that. Take that next step with me. And next Sunday is the first step. Start your summer on step one. Of growth track and go there next week I promise you will not regret it okay so do that and if you want to be a member that's where you find out about us and our vision number two if you want to overcome the root let's say of frustration in your life the number two I want you to expand your trust in God instead of staying frustrated with your circumstance now I know this is tough I know it's hard there's people in this room that have been through more than I've been through in my lifetime just in the last few months. And they should be on the stage talking to you about this message. But they have learned in some way, number two, which is expand my trust in God instead of staying frustrated with my circumstance. Now look, I've, I've admitted this on the stage before. I don't like change. I have a plan and I like my plan and when anybody comes in to mess up my plan, it frustrates me. How many don't like change? Just raise your hand, please, thank you, I'm not alone. Some people say, now the rest of you would say, well, change is good, it's adventure, it's blah, 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 whatever, okay? (laughs) I don't like it, so that's okay, God's helping me. So what I'm trying not to do is make an idol out of certainty. You know, in the Bible, right? You know, the, 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 God gave us the Ten Commandments, and, and one of them is don't make an idol. But you know what I do? I make an idol out of certainty sometimes because I like things the way they are. I don't want to change things. I don't like change. But God is helping me not to make an idol out of certainty. I have to learn to reframe what's going on around me and see the goodness of God in it no matter if there's bad things going on, right? Look at what Proverbs 29 and 11 says about how anger comes out when things happen that frustrate us. It's very plain talk here, okay? It says, a stupid man gives free rein to his anger. But watch this. A wise man waits and lets it grow what? Cool. Will you circle waits? When we are frustrated... I think the best lesson is just pause. Right? Just pause. Just wait a second. I want to give you a little trick that I've learned. I haven't used it on Danny yet. Okay? But I'm just going to share it with you right now. Um, This is something that actually it's a trick for me. It's not to use on somebody else and it's a trick for you. When you're in a situation where you feel frustrated and things are not going your way. Like, for instance, if I'm with my husband, Danny, if I'm in, having a conversation, a discussion, like pastor says, about finances or something like that. And, and I'm saying, man, you never let me spend money, Danny. I don't know why. Which, this is never how that would go, right? <laughs> Ever. It's usually the other way around. But if I'm the one saying, you don't let me, you know, why can't we do this? This would be great if we had this or whatever. And, and he says, no, we just need to pause. And I'm like, man, this is, I have to pause, Right. And I have to say, you know what? I'm frustrated. You know why? Because I'm not getting what I want. Like, how different would our conversations go if we would just pause to our spouse or our employee or our boss or even our kids and say, you know what? I'm just frustrated. Let me cool down. I'm just not getting what I want. It would be like revolutionary, right? I mean, it, it would change everybody's circumstance if we would just be honest. Because it pokes holes in our selfishness, doesn't it? It pokes holes in our, in our motives about what it is that we're really trying to do. And when we stop and just say, you know what? I'm just not getting what I want. It changes the whole outlook. Now, that's kind of on simple things, but things that are more difficult. Life happens. And I have a picture here that I want to show you. I love this picture because I love the ocean and I love... You know, in the afternoons when the storms come in and that kind of thing. But if we just get focused on the cloud and not the sun, it skews our perspective. Would you agree with that? So here's what I want you to do. While this picture's up here, I want you to humor me, okay? I know you all are, you know, classy folks, but just humor me for a second. I want you to make a little frame with your hand like this, and I want you to look through it, and I just want you to focus on the cloud, would you do that? Just the dark cloud. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Like if you just focus on that, it's like, ugh, that's going to be bad. I need to to take shelter. And you know what? In our lives, there's a big picture. But many times what I find myself doing is what? Just focusing on the bad situation that I'm going through. Just focusing on the, the part that I don't like. What am I going to do? This is never going to end. It's never going to change. I don't know what I, where's God? Has he abandoned me? Do you feel like that too? Now I want you to do something else. I want us to put that picture back up and I want you to, to, to make a frame one more time and I want you to just look at the sun. Just look at the sunny side. Doesn't that make you like, like your blood pressure goes down a little bit, right? Like you could see yourself at the beach just looking at the sun and the water. But you know what? It doesn't mean that we're in denial about the bad that's going on. It just means that we're remembering the one that's walking with us. There's a bigger picture. Amen? There's a bigger picture for what's going on in your life and in my life. And God is there with us. And listen, we use this a lot in church, this verse, Romans 8, 28, but it doesn't make it any less true. And that's what, it's where it says this, and this is the C-E-V translation. It says, we know that God is what? Would you say that word again? Always. Always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. We know that God is always at work for the good. What does always not include? What does always not include? Nothing, right? God is at work in the very details of your life, in the bad, not just in the good. He's there for those as well. And there has to be a pause. And we have to understand that there's a time, again, when faith and trust have to come together. See, faith is just believing that in what I can't see, that God is there and and what I can't see will be done. But trust is walking along with him when I don't see it yet. Faith is a belief in God for what I can't see, but trust is walking with him every day, getting up daily, choosing to do that every single day when I don't see it yet. Will you trust God? Will you trust God today? Will you do that even when you don't see it, even when all you can see is the dark cloud, but you know the sun is there. You know God is walking with you. We have to reframe what we're looking at. Number three, if we're going to overcome not only fear and frustration, we have to overcome hurt in our life. And number three is I want you to release forgiveness instead of holding on to hurt. Release forgiveness instead of holding on to hurt. Look at what Proverbs 19 and 11 says. It says, when someone wrongs you... It is a great virtue to do what? Ignore it. Ignore it. Now, we have an enemy, but it's not one another, is it? It's not one another, and when we are too concerned about being right than ending right, we were never right all along, were we? When we're too concerned about being right rather than ending a relationship on a good note, we were never right. All along, and it causes destructive anger. You know, ignoring doesn't mean doing nothing, though. Do you understand that? You play a part in this as well in your healing. And sometimes we can't get healed because we rehearse. We rehearse our hurt over and over and over again. I was sharing with my small group last week that I can, this is how my memory is. Like, some of you have really good memories, I have a good memory. And I can go through every grade from kindergarten to 12th grade, I'm I'm not kidding, and think of like one bad thing that happened every grade. But if I continue to rehearse my hurt, am I going to heal? I got to give it to God, don't I? I got to put it in the box and I got to give it to Him because He's bigger than my hurt and He's bigger than my worry. Our job is to be obedient to God and his job is everything else. Our job is to be obedient to God and his is everything else. I feel like so many times I chase peace in my life. And I'm misinformed in thinking that peace is nothing bad going on. But you know what? That's not the definition of peace. The definition of peace is understanding that God is with me in the midst of my pain. That is the definition of peace. Not where it's perfect and I'm happy and we're at Disney World and everything is great. That's not peace. That's happiness that comes and goes. But peace is understanding that no matter what's going on in my life, there is a God that is bigger than my hurt and he's walking with me. Can I tell you that one way to heal, and this is going to sound like a churchy answer, but we're in church, is to pray. Can I tell you this, that Dr. Caroline Leaf, this is so fascinating, a cognitive neurosurgeon, I'm sorry, neuroscientist found this. If you were to pray for 12 minutes, For eight weeks daily, 12 minutes of focused prayer over eight weeks daily changes your brain to the point you can see the change on a brain scan. That is fascinating. 12 minutes a day for eight weeks of focused prayer changes your brain to the point that you can see the change on a brain scan. When you pray, not only do you touch God's heart, but it changes you. And so many times we feel like our, our prayers are just going to the ceiling and they're, they're coming back down, but they're not. They're going and touching God's heart, and, in, and, and He's changing you, your hurt, your frustration, your fear. He's changing you. I want you to take a next step with me, and some of you are not going to feel like doing this today because your situation looks too bleak. But on here, there's a step on your connection card that says... I will give God my fear, my frustration, and my hurt. Because listen, the only, your only job today is to be obedient to him, and his job is everything else. Amen. Will you check that box today? And will you let him take your hurt, your frustration, and your pain? I want to tell you about a person that I know that's probably the most forgiving person that I know And this is somebody that almost wasn't even born. In fact, when his mom was uh, carrying him, found out she was pregnant, she went to an abortion clinic to have an abortion because she already had two little kids, two different dads. She was trying to make ends meet and go to school and trying to make a better path for her family and a third child was not what felt like the answer. And so she went to the clinic. They told her, they said, ma'am, well, we, we can't do this today because the baby's too big. But if you come back with X amount of more money, then you'll be able to complete this procedure. Well, she went home and she tried, but she just couldn't scrape together the money that she needed. So she went ahead with the pregnancy and in the process found a, a mother that would adopt the baby. And, uh, and hopefully that would help. And so, as she again continued through the pregnancy and got to the birth of the baby, she just couldn't go through with it. So here, she's got three kids, stepdads coming in and out of the the life of, and of the home. Some abusive. Some of that abuse would fall to him and and the other siblings in the home. And at 12 years old, a pastor meets the family because they're playing baseball together. This boy and this other little boy and he says why don't you guys come to my church and invited him to a little church in forest park and his family went there and his mom was trying to get her life together and got on a better path with God and as they grew up he kind of got away from God his mom stayed on track and came to 20 years old his dad passed away unexpectedly it was traumatic he began to medicate with things that were not a healthy way to medicate. And although he was away from God, God kept calling him back, calling him back. Until one day in this room, in this church, at this location, when he was 23 years old, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I'm proud to say that I've been married to this guy for the last 15 years. Yep. Yeah. every time Danny sings on this stage I think of the miracle that he is he inspires me to put my worries in the God box to give my hurt and my frustration to him knowing that no matter what I'm walking through we can make it because God is with us and I want to ask you today have you given your life to him those of you watching at home have you made that decision To let Jesus walk with you. Where are you at? Are you trying to do it by yourself? What's your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask you today to pray this prayer with me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come forward. Not even say it out loud. I just want you to say it in your heart, in your mind as I pray. Lord Jesus, God we come to you because we can't do this on our own. We can't do this by ourselves. And so, God, we ask you to take the pain, to take the hurt, to take the worry, and we give it to you. And we know you took those things to the cross. And we know that there on the cross, Lord, you suffered for our sin, for our shame. And, God, that we can be whole today because of you. It doesn't mean life will be perfect. We will have trouble. You've promised us that we will have the one that walks with us through it and that is you so Jesus come into our heart and change our life and help us to follow you all of our days it's in Jesus name we pray Amen Hi this is Pastor Jeff again I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message if you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church simply go to our website at secview.net. again that's sccview.net